What do you get when you mix a red pill, a blue pill, and guns? Lots of guns. <laughs> you get a good reason to watch movies after work. I'm Alex Duez. I'm Thomas Green. And today we are talking about the 1999 classic, The Matrix. God, 1999, and we can consider it a classic. 20 years ago. Dude, yeah, we're looking at... Yeah. yeah 20 years ago. ago. Um, Dear God. Now, for full transparency... Thomas did not finish watching The Matrix. I did not. Um, Boo and, this man. And by didn't... Boo! <laughs> and by didn't finish, let's clarify... Yeah, didn't finish the about three hour minutes. and a half. <laughs> about three did, minutes in. Yeah. And then... Um, and I think it was you came over to watch, or to record our previous episode. Yeah, yeah. And then... 50 million things happened in my life, mm. including um, just the general difficulties of not having a phone yeah. at work. And, yeah. uh, this week, past weekend, I was at a wedding, mm-hmm. uh, so special congrats to to my friends Aaron and Kate Yeah, for, for having a good wedding this weekend. And yeah. yeah, and then I came home and our Netflix wasn't working, so... Yeah, I didn't watch the movie. Fuck off. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't shame you. I just finished it today. So, uh, and we've been talking about it for for a while now. <laughs> talking about it for like five days. Yeah, no, we're we're recording later than usual, and one of us just finished it today, and one of us was unable to finish it. But that that's part of what this uh, what this show is about. It's, you know, us trying to find the time to you know after work and after parenting and putting the kid down and. Um, I'm amazed that it's that we're only at episode eleven, and we're at the point of going, yeah. When the fuck were we gonna watch? It? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, so you know, we we will definitely have more episodes like this, but this this is the first one where they one of us kind of has to take the reins. I swear to God, it'll be far and few between, though. <laughs> that I, I I promise that. Um, but before we dive into the Matrix, we should talk about some trailers. Um. One of the first trailers I saw this week was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, again, I don't know who this movie is for. This movie is for all of those people out there that went to Cannes, Mm -hmm. saw a Quentin Tarantino movie, and went, We're supposed to stand up and clap for this, right? (laughs) Yay! He had people swear... And I assume he fit himself in somewhere to use the N-word. They they saw his name on a poster, so they, they assumed they had to go see it. Um, I still have some interest in seeing this film, but I am just worried more than anything. I I do legitimately enjoy Inglorious Bastards. To me, that is Quentin Tarantino's last great film. I th- I think... See, I think his last good film is Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I well, Reservoir Dogs is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's uh, a Pulp, fantastic film. Pulp Fiction is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and I think he's ridden a high since those films. And then, well, all you need to know is he got on such a high from Pulp Fiction that he decided he could adapt a book that he hadn't read in like ten years, and it gave us Jackie Brown. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's all you need right there. My my problem with this, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 
versus Inglorious Bastards was Inglorious Bastards seemed almost entirely fabricated, other than the backdrop of World War II Germany. Like, mm-hmm. you, you could have made it a fic- fictitious war and yeah. just had a Hitler-type character. The fact that, he, yep. like, only a couple people were actual people in, in history in that film. And he he obviously rewrites all of history by having yes, the bastard shoot history, him in the he face. Has, yeah, he has history go the way that he wants it to. My problem with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is this trailer, it looks like it's too, there's too much realism in his fantasy, well, it, and I'm afraid he's going to endear, try to endear us to Charlie Manson, who did horrible, horrific I don't, things. I don't necessarily think he's going to try to endear us to him. I think it feels like this movie he's going, he's for some reason trying to be, like, going for fictitious mm-hmm. and fabricated versions of history yeah. has not won him Oscars. So now he's going to try being historically accurate and see if that'll finally get him all the Oscars that he's been wanting. But the... For me, the funniest thing about this trailer, the thing I loved it the most, I felt like this trailer legitimately knew it couldn't hold your interest. Well, and just, so it was constantly being like, wait, 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 Margot Robbie, dude, dude, Charlie Manson, dude, guys, come, come on, fip, the f- <laughs> fuck it, never mind. Well, exactly, that's what I felt like. I felt like we were watching two films. It, he was he was making a film starring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, and then also, by the way, I'm making a Charlie Manson film, and Margot Robbie's going to play Sharon Tate. Like, it's just, it seems like two films that have no business being together it, I mean to me it seems he's trying there he's trying to be vague yeah to create mystique mm-hmm. the problem is literally his entire mystique is what could my movie about Charlie Manson be about yeah and the answer is not a whole fucking lot yeah there's not a lot that you can do with Charlie Manson unless you're going for fictitious. And unlike Inglorious Bastards, there's not a blatant amount of um, surrealism to yeah. it. So no, it I'm just seems that. like he's doing like... It, it legitimately seems like he's trying to make Titanic, yeah. but about Charlie Manson, where the fictitious characters are two bros, uh-huh. but one is still played by Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> We are getting that, no, and it, like saying that right now just made me realize that's what it fucking is. We're getting Quentin Tarantino <laughs> trying to make his version of Titanic. I no, what I'm afraid of is it does take the dive into surrealism. I'm going to rewrite history, and Margot Robbie's Sharon Tate gets to shoot Charlie Manson in the face at the end of this film. So, well, I think I think given the amount of times that we watched, um, Brad Pitt do. I don't know if it was high kicks or roundhouse kicks, but he does a lot of kicking. So if we're going for surrealism, he's kicking Charlie Manson's head off. That's where we're going with it. Yeah, a la so, um, Jason Takes New York. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Never thought we were going to go there, but okay. Hey, so long as we do this podcast, we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, eventually we're getting to at least uh. one of the Jason movies, but not Jason X. That's too easy. Jason X is too easy. We're not um, doing that one. The other one that I want to talk about real quick, and I know you said you hadn't uh, seen this trailer, was the new trailer for Toy Story 4. Because 
you said you hadn't seen it, and part of me wishes that I hadn't seen it, because <laughs> it doesn't, it's so, it's more confusing than this fucking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer. Honestly, like, I, th- I thought that I could follow a story where toys try to, you know, Woody tries to reunite Sporky or whatever his name is with Bonnie. I thought that I could follow that trailer. I can't. I can't. Buzz shows up with Woody at random parts, and I'm like, okay, I guess they meet up at this point in the movie. And then it just, it cuts so frantically. I don't know, like, there was no continuity to the trailer. It here's, was needlessly confusing. Here's here's my guess based off of the, and the only trailer I haven't seen is the most recent one. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, I love the teaser trailer that's of um, Key and Peele's yeah. characters. Yeah. I love that trailer because I, I, they're they're doing their valet mm-hmm. guy yeah. characters and I love it. <laughs> um, but for me, it seems like they're trying to make it seem like Buzz is going to be off on one adventure. Yeah, Woody is going to be with the Tony Hale character, the Spork. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point in the movie, they're going to reconverge. I legitimately think that that scene of them walking alongside the road yeah um with with Woody explaining the roles and responsibilities of a toy mm-hmm. to him yeah i think that's it <laughs> i legitimately think that's going to happen then they're going to show up at the fair yeah and that's when buzz is going to show up and it's going to have literally been like oh we were separated for like 10 yeah. 15 minutes of this movie that's probably only going to be about an hour 45 minutes. Yeah, it's it seems like fabricated conflict or or, or tension there. Well, just inflation. Yeah. It seems like inflation of of what's actually going on, which I mean in a kids movie is kind of understandable, but Toy Story hasn't been afraid to take it to that place where they're kind of, you know, also, abandoned for the most of the film. Also, let's be let's be bluntly honest with ourselves. <laughs> Toy Story 2 was the last time a Toy Story movie was for kids. <laughs> yeah. Toy Story yeah. 3 and this one, they're not for kids. No, they're not for being made for kids. They're being made <laughs> for people that have seen these movies since they originally started coming out. Yeah. That's who these are that's who they're for. And the thing is nothing makes me more nervous about the quality of this film mm-hmm. than the fact that we've gone from people talking, you know, Cast members claiming they cried while recording their dialogue. Yeah. To Pixar is promising they'll stop making sequels. Yeah. Like that to me, like that to me is enough. Like mm. the fact that they said that, I'm like, oh man, they just watched it and went, what the fuck did we greenlight? Yeah. yeah. That to me tells the whole story. <laughs> well, like you know, like Once Upon a Time in uh, in Hollywood and Toy Story. I might not see these films in the theaters, but I'll definitely get around to seeing them eventually. And, you know, we'll have our thoughts on them then. You know, if I find a, a guest pass at for some movie theater, like, in a rain gutter and pull it out, <laughs> dry it off, and it's not, like, a three... Out, you know, it's not some movie that's trying to be, like, an over-three-hour epic... Mm-hmm. I may go see if I can sit through even half of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Come on, in they're the going to be begging people to come into that theater. So As long as it's not like Django <laughs> where the movie ends and then there's 45 more minutes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I have to 
we have to talk real quick because Keanu Reeves is just the theme of this episode. This this episode should not be called The Matrix. It should be called Keanu Reeves. The Keanu Reeves Reeves episode. Because um, I went to see John Wick Chapter 3 this week, which we'll have to discuss that in some way, shape, or form throughout this episode. Um, He's playing Duke Kaboom in the Toy Story Story 4, um, which I'm not... Keanu, I, I, I love you more than you will ever understand, but I don't know if I love you as an animated voice, because uh, there's there's not enough of him in Toy Story 4. It, there's hey, not enough of him He exuding. did a phenomenal job as the cat in Keanu. <laughs> he, he did. He did do an incredible job. And Jordan... Uh, Jordan Michael Key or sorry, Key and Peele. Key and Peele. Dear God, yeah. Uh, Key and Peele. I was trying to say Jordan Peele. Yeah. So the trio and reuniting for Toy Key. Story Four. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Didn't um, even think about that, but yeah, <laughs> that's something. But on my way back from seeing John Wick Chapter Three, I was on YouTube and saw um, a romantic comedy trailer starring Keanu Reeves. It doesn't start Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it ends with Keanu Reeves. And to to be clear, both right now and when you told the story earlier, it really sounds like you were driving home with one <laughs> hand while holding up your phone in the other, scrolling YouTube, going, "Man, this driving's boring. I need to keep myself busy." Another BuzzFeed list later. <laughs> no, no, nothing so irresponsible. But I we I saw the trailer for um, Always Be My Maybe. And I got sucked in the same way, not while I was driving or leaving a movie theater, but uh, I actually got sucked in the same way. I had the little icon that showed Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it had the title of the movie, and I mean, always be my maybe. That is a what like if you see that if you see the title for that movie mm-hmm. and you don't automatically go, oh, it's a rom com. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to cinema. If you, if you, we have so many movies to show you. (laughs) If you don't see that trailer and immediately decipher the plot from that title, yes, you you don't understand what you're getting yourself into. Yes, Um, seems like it's two people who you know used to be friends and maybe had a romantic relationship when they were younger. Well, we watched them bang in the trailers, (laughs) so I'd say they had something. Yeah, Um, and then grew apart, and then. As most people who bang do. Is, uh, it's Amy Wong, right? She's a comedian. Um, she has a Netflix special. I, can, I, called, I legitimately, every single time I saw her, I was like, I know who she's off the screen, I forgot. <laughs> and it's, I just, nothing she, against her. She's a good comedian. She's a good comedian. Yeah. Um, well, I kept forgetting Randall Park's name and going, oh, Ant-Man. Yeah. <laughs> the, the dude in Ant-Man. It's the, yeah, and then he was in Aquaman, yeah, that guy. Was he in Aquaman? Yes. Oh, maybe. Yes. It might have given me a reason to watch Aquaman. Literally, no. He's literally, (laughs) his role in, such a stern no. His role in Aquaman is to be in one scene and then a mid-credit scene Mm -hmm. as dude who hates Aquaman. Okay. Kind of, sort of, maybe, and teams up with Black Manta and the mid credit scene to help destroy Aquaman. He's basically the, he's basically Tyler Perry in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sequel, uh. except with about as much screen time as they should have given the entire Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Keanu Reeves is 
far and away the best part of that trailer. Oh my god, yes. Um, him coming in at the end, uh, the the girl reveals to the guy, um, you know, I, I found someone, I met someone, and meeting him in the in the restaurant. <laughs> well, and as soon as as soon as she said she's met someone, I was like, finally. <laughs> It's the whole fucking reason I watch this trailer. I miss your beard on my thigh. <laughs> I miss your thighs on my beard. <laughs> One of the funniest things Keanu's ever said. Oh, yeah. Um, no, and, and the movie doesn't look bad. No, no, it doesn't look they, bad at all. The, the chemistry between the, the leads is solid, and that's... I mean, if you have that, you can suffer through any cliche plot of romantic yeah. comedy. Yeah. Um, it's why... How do you think... Meg Ryan kept getting cast in movies. She had chemistry with Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's what kept her afloat. So definitely that'll be one that me and possibly my girlfriend will. I imagine that watch. that's it looks like it'll be an exceptionally good date night movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the last one speaking of Netflix was the trailer for um I already forgot the name of it. Uh Rachel Jack and Ashley 2, which is one of the Thank God Netflix knows we don't have all the fucking time in the world. Three episodes of season five of Black Mirror. Because I, being perfectly honest, transparent, have never seen Black Mirror before. I watched the first season. Mm -hmm. And then I forget how much I watched of the first episode of the second season. Uh And it's really, like, you're basically watching... Movies, yeah, that you may or may not like, but because it's a TV series, you feel compelled to watch yeah. all of them in order, even though they. I'm guessing, and I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that there has never been a single connective tissue between any of these yeah. episodes beyond you know technology. <laughs> well, which just go, makes me go back to the Joel McHale show. Um, if if nothing Which, else, fuck you for canceling Netflix. <laughs> fuck Netflix for canceling a lot of things. Well, Netflix, let's let's all be clear, folks. If you were watching a Netflix show, and it has not brought them some sort of award season acclaim, mm-hmm. it's, it's going danger. to get canceled. Yeah, plain and simple. Yeah. That is, they only keep shows that get them awards. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason we've kept. Lesbians behind bars for this long. <laughs> the whole show. Yeah. That's that's it. Lesbians <laughs> behind bars didn't... It, in parentheses, wasn't Jason Biggs in this. That's the title of that show. Um, the, it, I At the very least, I can sit down for one of the three episodes of uh, Black yeah. Mirror Season 5. Um, Rachel Jack and Ashley 2 looks... Just as bizarre as anything else I've seen from Black Mirror. Granted, it hasn't been a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, this does look like Miley Cyrus just trying her very best to do something with more acclaim and more notoriety. But here's the thing: it looks. I don't hate her. It man. looks like an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. She's actually what sells me on it. Yeah, because with her, like. Like, she's gotten through her doing everything I can for pe- to get people to stop getting me to sign Hannah Montana shit yeah. phase. <laughs> and now she's getting into her whole, like, my, you know, I should probably, like, 
make my career a little more diversified. Yeah. And I legitimately think, like, if people like her in this, mm-hmm. by this time next year, we'll be seeing, we'll see one or two movie trailers with her as a main role in the movie. Yeah. I mean, I th- we we saw her take on some smaller roles in, like, teen romance movies. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. What is she in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? She's... I'm totally spacing on the, the... The robot head that's like, I love you guys. Really? That's Miley Cyrus. Okay. All right. She's, yeah. she's got a little bit more respect for me. I, you know, yeah. I mean... Yeah. Miley's in the MCU. <laughs> Damn it. We gotta recast her in something else in the MCU. Um, that was for last episode. But no, the... Um, uh, Rachel Jack and Ashley 2 doesn't look too bad. Um, definitely willing to give it a shot. Uh, it's one major flaw, though, is that it doesn't have Keanu Reeves. So Yeah, so moving on. <laughs> but um, I do want to talk quickly about John Wick Chapter 3. Um, John Wick is a franchise that I have adored since it came out. It has gotten better and more interesting, and the lore has gotten deeper. Um very like top level just impressions of the last one but i understand completely why it dethroned avengers as you know number one for this week in the box office it totally deserves every bit of the money it's raked in um i got to see it opening night at 11 o'clock with every other sociopath (laughs) in pittsburgh apparently because they don't have a theater that big we (laughs) We saw some of the most gruesome kills in all of John Wick. Like, all of the franchise. And most of it was followed by an audience laughing and applauding. And it was incredible. Um, It takes about ten minutes for John Wick to get his first kill. And you're saying, Alex, ten minutes doesn't sound like too much time. But given the events of the previous movie... A kind of, which you, I, I yeah, yeah yeah no no spoilers for that one either, um, but you think it could happen a lot sooner, and when it happens, it happens with a book, in New York New York Public Library, and holy shit, it is one of the most gruesome things John Wick has ever done, it is incredible. I recommend the film so so highly. Knives to eyeballs. Shit is crazy in this new one. Um, I still think the second one is my favorite, um, but I think we discussed it in our f- very, one of our very first episodes. I don't really even, I can't really even gauge a distinction too much between the first two and now all three. It seems like one seamless story, and I think there is they've left the door open for. More I've, story. They've. They, I've seen that there are talks about a fourth one. Yes. Um. And I. And I think again. I mentioned this before, but I feel like there's been talk about making a, a like a TV series, TV series yeah. around the hotel. I mean, that would be awesome. Um, I would support it just because Lance Reddick. Just give him all the work. He's an amazing <laughs> actor. I. I. I believe we talked. Uh, it might have been on our in our terminal episode about how the world of John Wick is so fleshed out that you can have a John Wick movie that is not about, not centered around John Wick. Mm-hmm. And I think I rescind that comment. I don't ever want to see a John Wick 
movie that is not about John Wick. Well, I, I think it could be done. I don't know that I ever need it. Okay, well, for me, I've watched the first film. Um, I still need to finish watching the second one. I'm about 45 minutes into it. Um, there are movies that I, I do intend to own myself. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fantastic. They're, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first one. I, re- I really respect that, that it could be so gritty yeah. without being so gory. Yeah. Uh, I really respect that, and I'm sure part of it was budgetary for the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I missed the train on this, because I remember working at a movie theater yeah. when the first one came out, and having people flooding out of the movie. Like, we all thought the movie was going to do no business, was barely going to be there. The movie was there for way longer than we thought. It was constantly filling seats. Yeah. Um, just an exceptional response to that film. And so I don't know how I missed that train to like get on it and, and see the films. But uh, as soon as I finish, I will be going to the theater to see... Chapter three. Yeah. Um, very yeah. excited to. You absolutely should. Yeah. And we will be discussing it sooner rather than later. I'm on here, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm about, um, I'm about to be over because, like, next, we've got the 31st. We have Rocket Man and the hopefully better than last time Godzilla movie coming out. Yes. I'm so looking forward to Godzilla. I'm excited, but they should have stopped at the first trailer because now we've seen so much of. We've seen so much, and I'm just ready to see more. And we've seen so much of everything that, like, I was, like, I watched that first trailer, and I was so excited to see the monsters. Now Mm. I've seen the monsters. Yeah. So, I'm nervous about going to see the movie, because now, basically, the movie's going to live or die on how much I can tolerate the the human characters. Yeah, yeah. The, the, my argument for that is, have you seen it on an IMAX screen? Seen the monsters on an IMAX screen? No, I have not. <laughs> that's that's all I'm looking forward to. Fair enough. Um, that being said, about John Wick, and the and the reason we you know decided on the Matrix was because John Wick Chapter Three, of course, starring Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves, and I would argue if I put the John Wick script in front of you, particularly John Wick Chapter Three, you would go, "This is fucking stupid." <laughs> And you would throw it away. <laughs> and I think, and I could be wrong, you might have done with that with The Matrix too. I... I think so. No, I I, <laughs> I can't disagree with... I can't disagree that on paper, it probably was a little bit harder to sell The Matrix. Yeah. I... Uh, watching The Matrix, I was thinking to my to myself almost the entire time, is this a good movie? Or do I really like Keanu Reeves? <laughs> and I don't know which one it is. Because the movie starts fucking brilliantly. Oh, fantastic start. You, Remember it vividly. <laughs> which you saw the start of the film. You, you know nothing going in. Mm-hmm. And if you remember promotional material for The Matrix, all the trailers were like incredibly vague. It was like mm-hmm. you can't be shown what the Matrix is. You need to you need to see it for yourself. Yeah, and like that was all people needed to see and hear to get into the theater. Well, yeah, and the the core concept of what the Matrix was, the fact that they kept that secret, yeah, even past after the film came out, mm-hmm. was fantastic. It's it, you know virtually nothing going in. You hear 
brief dialogue um, from Trinity, and I believe she's talking with Cypher in the beginning of the film. She's talking to Cypher. And then we see her in the room, and she gets, uh, you know, the police policemen are after her. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly, it, shit just starts going off. Well, and they do a great job of... You know, because the the timing of where everything comes into play is mm-hmm. perfect. Because you you know you meet Agent Smith and the other agents, yeah, and they're weird because they're the introduction to Agent Smith is one of the best in the whole movie. The introduction to Agent Smith is brilliant, specifically because he legitimately does not seem like he's necessarily necessarily villainous. No. Like, he might actually, like, he's not going to be the hero of the movie. Yeah. But he's not necessarily seeming like he's going to be the villain. Yeah. The, when he says, is talking with the lieutenant, and he goes, we sent two units up. You know, it's it's to take down one woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he's the, the lieutenant says something to the effect of, my men will be down in a minute. And he turns to him and he goes, lieutenant, your men are already, already dead. dead. That like everything from Agent Smith in this film is fucking gold. Well, that's just the the I mean, that's just Hugo Weaving yeah. being a phenomenal actor. I mean, literally a guy who a year or two before that, I think, give or take, people were watching run around the desert and drag in uh, Priscilla, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Mm. It was him Guy Pierce and Terrence Stamp as drag queens? Okay. Yep. <laughs> And that's what got him the role in this. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but no, like, I I was thinking about it, and I was trying to go into this movie, because I haven't seen it in a number of years. I was trying to go into this movie with a relative clean slate. Like, let's not think about the sequels. Let's not think about, like, how I know The Matrix works and the rules of it and needing to get to the phone and all that. Like, mm-hmm. the audience is kept in the dark for so Long, you were you were kept in the dark. You know, Trinity. Maybe maybe she's part of some secret organization. You don't know if necessarily if Trinity is the good guy or if she, you know, has some ulterior motive. If, um, and then when we meet Neo, like he is kept in, t- in the dark, and we're kept in the dark with him until he meets Trinity, and then we are we hear about Morpheus and. Being in a theater in 1999, you're like, who the fuck is Morpheus? Like, yeah. what am I doing here? Well, and even then, like, even if you're somebody who watched the movie at home after it came out on home video, like, I know I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get to see this in the first one. I saw the sequels in theaters, didn't see the first one in theaters. Yeah. Um, oh, you poor soul. <laughs> <laughs> we can discuss the sequels later. Um, but No, this is going to be a three-parter. Oh, wait, wait, um, wait for next week, guys. Reloaded and no, revolution. No, we're not going to do that to people. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, regardless, yes, everyone's shrouded in mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, your first sense that something is off is really when the, is the interrogation with Smith. Yeah. You know, when he, <clears throat> when he brings him in and does the interrogation, and you have the whole bit with the mouth and the... <laughs> Yeah, the, and the bug. Yeah, that's the first time that you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> the everything else yeah. is fairly easily explained. Um, 
Yeah, the thank thing- you, Keanu Reeves, for making me have the irrational fear of something crawling into my belly button for the rest of my life. Thank you for that. Um, See, I just remember watching the movie and going, wait, is that... how do they think anatomy works? <laughs> like, um, the whole, like, trying to get it out where they've got, like, Ajax and the girl and they're, like, trying to get it out. Yeah. And I'm just saying that the whole... I mean, even as a kid, I was saying that the whole time going... If it's really moving around like this, just ask him where it hurts. Because he's going to be going like, holy fuck, my dog, my right side. Okay, let's go to the right, everyone. I, uh... I, sincerely, I, I don't know if this movie works without Keanu Reeves, without Morpheus, and, or without Lawrence Fishburne, and without Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving, in particular, I think... And Carrie Ann Moss. Let's not let's not take credit away yeah. from her. She, she's great as well. Like, cause she, I mean, she is that opening scene. Like, yeah, yeah. They're like the little bits of humanity. Like when she's, you know, when she's telling herself to run. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's that was great. It's your first little hint if you're if you're fo- if you're not so overwhelmed by the action. Mm-hmm. It's your first little hint that. You're supposed to fear the agents, yeah, not the people in leather, yeah. Um, um. <laughs> just to put it bluntly, I mean, this film informed and, and influenced so much pop Absolutely. culture going forward. Yes, and I know looking back in 2019, when we have Avengers Endgame and we have all our heroes portrayed. F- faithfully on screen from the comics Mm -hmm. we can bitch and moan about x-men in black leather outfits but at the time i understand completely why the x-men were in black leather outfits people were fucking cool if they were wearing black leather outfits i like (laughs) i honestly for all the the faults of of the x-men movies i really never minded the outfits yeah like i just they were always going to be camp it's yeah and they embrace it and i respect that (laughs) Um, I think Hugo Weaving, in particular, I mean, I know he is, he is not undersold, like, people understand he gave a great performance, Mm -hmm. but I truly think him as Agent Smith is one of, if arguably not the best parts of this film. I think when he... Well, I, 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 I think it's inarguable just in the fact that they brought him back for the sequels. Yeah. I don't think they would have brought him back for the sequels... If he wasn't so popular. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And I think the fact that he, in the film, is a machine of sorts. He is part of the Matrix, but still can convey humanity Mm -hmm. and have human desires. Like, when he takes his glasses off, and it's the first time you see his eyes in the interrogation with, um, with Neo... He is trying to appease him. He's trying, or he's trying mm-hmm. to um, console. Like, hey, let's work together. Like, tell me what you know. What you know about Morpheus? Tell me what you know about the Matrix, or, or you know what's going on yeah. here. Um, and uh, he's trying to appeal to him in in some way. And then he puts his glasses back on, and he's like, 
what good is a phone call if you are unable to speak? And then yeah. that great scene with uh, yeah. with Keanu Reeves. And I think one of my favorite scenes, which like I didn't pick up on, I don't think, or really focused on when I saw it years ago when I was younger, mm-hmm. is when he's like torturing Morpheus and he conveys to him his desire to be out of the Matrix. And he, he no longer wants to be there anymore. And he's like, it's the smell. It permeates everything. It's all yeah. around me. Like, for a, what we think of as a machine or, or as something that can't feel or think, mm-hmm. um, to convey a human desire to, like, this place fucking reeks. Like, I thought that's one of the best scenes, like, underrated scenes in the film. Well, and I also think it's sort of the the flaw in... In the design, mm-hmm. you know, because they they have to be created with a certain level of distaste for humans, so that yeah. way they don't have that that wiggle room. Yeah. But unfortunately, by giving them that detestment, and then sticking them in this world when they know it's fake, yeah, and that they could get out, yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie, I mean, and for for all the things that are positive about this movie. I will say it does have the the rosebud problem. What is that? Uh, well, the the rosebud. Um, everyone knows the big moment. Yeah. You know, Citizen Kane. He, his last dying word was rosebud before he passed away. Yeah. Uh, and it starts the whole movie, except. I, I and I think there might still be a little bit of debate about this, but there's nobody to hear him say it. Okay. Like, even if there's, like, a butler or someone yeah. in the corner of the room, he whisp- he his dying breath is whispering it. Yeah. So he's not exactly screaming it out. <laughs> um, and this movie kind of has the same problem, because it's sort of like, you know, Morpheus, you know, you can take the red pill, you can pay- take the blue pill, and you're immediately just like, how the fuck did the Matrix allow these pills to get made? Well, like, so I wanted to talk about uh, about this in particular um, because when when John Wick Chapter Three came out, there's and and there's these rumors every couple of years, probably whenever when a successful Keanu Reeves movie comes out. Okay. Oh, there's going to be another Matrix. Uh, Matrix Four is in development with the Wachowskis, like. Oh, I never hear this. Have you? Oh, this is this has been drummed up again. Oh, that it's God. that you know we're gonna get Matrix Four with the with or without the Wachowskis, and they've got well, definitely without, <laughs> <laughs> and they've got great ideas for it. Um, have you heard of the like conspiracy theories or the theories around the Matrix that the fact that the Keanu never got out of the Matrix. He is in a deeper level of the Matrix where... Oh, so people people are having... People have the, are giving it sort of the... Basically, people are trying to make it be something else that Chris Nolan ripped off for Inception. <laughs> basically. Like, okay. the machines are allowing him to think he is out of the Matrix, and he's in a deeper level of the Matrix, and no one could ever get out of the Matrix, and that's what everyone would want a fourth movie to be about. And I would never want that because you can say that, you can continue to say that forever. But the thing is, is that the the question the question that ends up happening, and I'm sure this was part of what the Wachowskis thought made it 
brilliant, but to to me, it, it it's the the biggest flaw of this mm-hmm. whole thing is setting aside whatever kind of explanations they try to give in the second and third movie. Yeah. This machine, you know, the Matrix is either aware of every single solitary thing yeah. that is happening at all times, mm-hmm. or it's not. If it's not, yeah. why isn't it? Yeah. If it is, why is it allowing these things to happen? Yeah. And that's my and whole point with the red pill, blue pill, is gotcha. that the constant, like, the the idea of going, well, the Matrix is this thing, you know, it's it's this omnipresent thing that, you know, it, it takes a lot of smoke breaks, um, <laughs> and shit falls between the cracks. Yeah. That, that whole concept to me is immediately ridiculous. Yeah. Well, the fact that they can, Morpheus and Neo can have an uninterrupted, mm-hmm. you know, this is how the Matrix works, and mm-hmm. the, like, without encountering the agents, when in every other circumstance they encounter the agents very the, soon The after. agents always seem to magically know which body yeah. to, to inhabit next. Yeah, to... yeah. Um, that's always been a problem, and I think that's a problem that they people try to solve with these kind of conspiracy series and they and they try to solve in, in later installments. For as much as I tried to watch this without any like okay, let's not think about the sequels. Let's not think about like how I know this works out or you know already. Well, listen, yeah, you the, can't you can't pretend that. Yeah. The f- scene that feels the most like the sequels to me is the scene where he meets the oracle. And I gotta be honest, the first night that I was watching The Matrix, I was like, I'm fucking in this, like, the, these action scenes are so much better than I remember, it's fucking awesome when the when Keanu gets plugged in for the first time, and like, as much as people kind of like, memeify that, I know Kung Fu, I know like, Kung Fu. that was the fucking coolest thing ever, But I like, but don't lie, like, that was, no, I think that's why it got memed, people memed it not because they were like, Oh, he's so stupid. Like, you can't... First of all, it's hard to to do a Keanu Reeves voice... Yeah. <laughs> ...that doesn't... that That's not the, the Bill and Ted thing. Yeah. It's... It's part of why you don't hear a lot of people quoting John Wick... ...is because mm-hmm. he doesn't really have it in John yeah, Wick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's because of that badass... Yeah. And not even just... The, it's like, there's that... It's a cool moment that turns into this awesome fight sequence. Yeah. The fight sequence between uh, Neo and Morpheus, so fucking cool. It's something that I totally, like, didn't remember mm-hmm. until seeing it the second, you know, more recently. And, uh, th- like, just the things that Morpheus continues to impart on Neo and to make him question more and more and more. Yeah. And when, he, when Neo's on the ground and he's like heaving and he's you know trying to catch his breath and he's like is that air you're breathing like just making him yeah continue like question yeah is that you think that's air you're breathing this and the face he makes (laughs) as he walks away that's still is my great that's still my favorite non-action sequence moment in the whole movie yeah easily the the so much of it is so good when um when he's talking to him about you know, the Matrix Matrix is a code and how, you know, there are rules that can be bent and there's rules that can be broken. And, like, the first Matrix does a very good job of 
establishing its own rules, mm-hmm. and when it adhering you know, when to it breaks, them. yeah, it adheres to its rules, and when it breaks those rules, it makes you understand why or how it does mm-hmm. that. Um, it it when you see Neo continue to like gain more power and more control over mm-hmm. his ability, like. You understand now why the world looks more fucked up. Why, when the helicopter crashes into the building, it looks more like a puddle than you know, yeah. a, a stone being thrown into a puddle than anything yeah. else. Um, yeah, no, it's it's really great that uh, though the the moment where he's like pooling his strength together after coming back from the dead, and mm-hmm. you see the walls yes. just. The walls get out of his yes. way, and then go, and then realize they can go back, and there's the ripple. Yeah, yeah it's um, no, that is that's the one part that I kind of have a problem with in the film, is that it kind of turns into like a love conquers all story because Trinity goes up to him and says, "You can't be dead because the Oracle said that I'd fall in love with the, with the, a man, and that man would be the it, one and." And if you know I'm in love with you, so you can't be dead. And then kisses him, so his start, heart heart stops, starts beating again. Um, that was the one kind of like, okay, we're still in the '90s. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> uh, just the '90s. It's that's. I mean, it's a trope that's never gonna. It's it's an easy out. Yeah, it's the easiest ex machina that exists. Yeah. outside of we forgot about these characters that we. Like, literally, if we didn't kill off every other character... Yeah. And we just separated them from the group... Yeah. The only other e- easier ex machina than True Love's Kiss is... Oh, right, all these other characters, look, they just showed up to save the day! How hey, nice is that? God, are you attacking Endgame right now? <laughs> Endgame structurally... Makes sense. (laughs) They all just came back from the dead. (laughs) Um, They were probably all trying to get back there anyway. (laughs) the The fact that whoever was in charge of continuity for this film deserves an Oscar. The script supervisor for this film was fantastic. Just them. They. The fact that I get lost in that there is. A Keanu in the Matrix. There is a Neo in the Matrix, and there is a Neo outside of the Matrix, mm-hmm. who is reacting to what is happening in his body inside the Matrix. Mm-hmm. It's fucking incredible, and it's not oh. something that I sat down and really looked at until I'm taking notes. For well, and that's that's the editor. Talk about this. That's the that's the editor doing amazing mm-hmm. work because that's the editor perfectly perfectly cutting reactions and moments together. Yeah. The 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 two people for whom this film does not give enough credit to because the visual effects the you know the Wachowskis yeah. like they all get tons of love the fight choreographers all get a ton of love uh, the cinematographer who I believe was Bill Pope it is Bill Pope yes. um, of Team America World Police fan okay um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, it doesn't surprise me. That's a fucking incredible film. Well, too. He, he literally I'll fight did. You. He, no, oh no, I love that movie. He did that as a, like a challenge to himself. Yeah. I love it. He always, he was like, I always do this big scale stuff. It'd be fun to do this like little yeah. thing with puppets. Um, but Bill Pope, the cinematographer for the film, and then the editor, whose name I can't remember at the moment, mm-hmm. but they deserve so much of the credit for for the success and the quality of this film. Yeah, 
The film is perfectly shot. Yeah. Um, the film is fantastically edited. Mm-hmm. Um, there's now, the, one of my favorite uh, scenes that perfectly illustrates this is when um, when Cypher is revealing to them that he is the bad guy and, and orchestrated all this. And it's classic 90s. I'm the bad guy now. I'm going to tell you all about my villainous plan. Mm-hmm. But it is fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. When he is like practically on top of Trinity. Oh, yeah. And she is sitting there stationary because... She can't move because she's plugged in. Mm-hmm. And he is talking to her. She, he's talking to that actress as she plays dead. Yeah. And talking about, oh, I thought I was in love with you. You know, you, you're you always... Like, just... Yeah. And the fact that her in The Matrix is having this discussion with him on the phone. Yeah. And then has to see... Uh, I always forget his name. Akko? Uh, Apoc. Apoc in Switch. Apoc and Switch, that's they, their names. Okay. When they both get killed, um, or, you know, ripped out of the Matrix so it kills, them, yeah. kills their bodies. Like, that is fucking brilliant. And then he jumps on top of Morpheus', Morpheus body, yeah. which if I'm Lawrence Fishburne, I'm just trying to stifle a giggle the whole time as this <laughs> hey, dude jumps if, on top of me. If I'm Cypher, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there trying to... I'm sitting there the whole time going... Dude, I'm straddling Cowboy <laughs> Curtis. How is this happening? Where has my life gone to lead me here? No, but it's fucking awesome. And he's like just talking shit right in Lawrence Fishburne's face. But he's also just a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Like Joe and then I'll, I'll never pronounce his last name correctly. <laughs> so I won't do him the dishonor. Yeah. Um, no, he's a, he's a phenomenal actor. And when you give him really good material, he is going to go to the fucking moon with it. Yeah. Um, no, that was, that was one of my favorite scenes watching it back. For, for me, the scene that really showcases the cinematography and the editing perfectly is the famous, um, lobby gunfight. Mm -hmm. Specifically because thanks to the cinematography and the editing, which are the, the, basically the ones who run the show for, for this factor, you know what's going on and you know where everyone is yeah. in relationship to each other. Yeah. And that's like, watch action sequences in movies from the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. You're going to constantly be going, wait, so where's who, what, yeah. where is that character in relation? Like, you're going to be constantly finding yourself as- asking that. There are even some Marvel movies. Yeah. As much as as much as much we have gotten on our knees for the MCU, <laughs> there are even some of those films that yeah. you occasionally, you'll watch the final battle or just an action sequence in the middle and go, I don't know where anyone is in relationship to each other or what the hell's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially but, when you get two characters of a similar like power set that are doing practically the same shit to each other. Yes, that can be a big risk. Um, Iron Man two. See, see Iron Man two for example. <laughs> well, Iron Man two not really because it's they're all basically standing still the whole fight. <laughs> um, but I digress. Uh, so yeah, the the that 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 lobby fight really is the is a phenomenal example of just what amazing work the those two did not even collaboratively yeah like each in their own separate art form Mm -hmm. was able to craft a fight sequence that has the rare distinction of being 
incredibly memorable. Mm-hmm. Probably still in the like top. If like if you know AFI did like a top one hundred action sequences of all time, yeah. it's definitely at least in the top half, if not even higher percentile. Yeah. Um, but you don't see people trying to replicate it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that rare distinction of admired but not re- but no attempt to duplicate. Yeah. And that to me speaks volumes. Um, the. For as much as I did appreciate it, watching it back, um, the part that made me stop for the first, you know, I was watching it one evening, and I had to stop when he got to the Oracle. I'm like, this feels of, for how fast this movie is moving so so far, and like I said, I tried to put a, put away the baggage with the, you know, second two films. Like, mm-hmm. when he talks to the Oracle, I'm like... Oh man, you're just planting the seeds for the next two. Like I just it that that is the scene that feels most like it's sequels. And I, I can't disagree with that, but I I will also say it as a standalone, it mm-hmm. works just within the film. It does. It does. And it doesn't necessarily feel like it's just about I nothing in the first Matrix movie necessarily feels like setup. Yeah. And I think that's part of the the roughness of the sequels mm-hmm. is that they basically had to create Yeah. New, com- they had to create all sort of excess conflict instead of keeping it simple. Yeah. Um, but I definitely get what you. I mean, no, you're right. Uh, I'd say everyone who just watches the you know just watches the movie because they like the movie, they're not you know cinemaphiles or anything like that. And even yeah. some cinemaphiles, I guarantee you, at the point where they hit skip is that part. Yeah. And I, I do appreciate, don't try to bend the spin. That's impossible. It's just, there is no spin. And I think we get a call back from that later. I did appreciate that. That was, that was a good part. <laughs> um, I think that's, uh, that's more or less my thoughts on Matrix, unless you have anything else to, but here's to a, say. Here, here's a question I, I have for you, just because uh, it's something that came up in a slightly heated conversation I was having with someone the other day. Okay. Um, what would you say was more of a... What would, what would you say was bigger, not box office wise, mm-hmm. but... Cultural in, in, impact. In cultural impact, yeah. you know, both in the way people felt about, you know, going to see it... Um, and the effect it had on on cinema afterwards. What would you say was bigger, The Matrix or Avatar? I think the bigger cultural impact was made by The Matrix, and I think the reason for that is because, like we've already kind of talked about, like so much of pop culture after the fact was informed and influenced influenced by by The Matrix. Mm-hmm. You can look at uh, X Men. You can look at even the Matrix sequels, I mean, as much as people shit on them, they, they, he, they were trying to expand upon something. And at least those sequels exist. Not like the metaphorical Avatar sequels that we might get in 2022 before the world burns out. The up. next five to like, seven sequels that are supposed... <laughs> that, he, that he's, I think, filming possibly, maybe, sort of. I don't know, because they're still the, casting people. The issue... Not the issue, but the... The reason I would make the argument for The Matrix is because it took people 
like Keanu Reeves, like Lawrence Fishburne, who had a career and launched them into stardom. And you can make that case for a lot of films. But I think The Matrix wasn't like anything we've seen before mm -hmm. for many reasons that we've already talked about. Um, the, the, the fact that they keep you in the dark, the, the secrets that they slowly expose to you over time, mm -hmm. the, the actually charismatic and, and, you know, at times empathetic villain, like mm -hmm. the, of, uh, Avatar, people were walking out of that movie going, oh, it's Pocahontas with blue people. It's Dances with Wolves. It's, it's Fern Gully. It, it's, it's a hundred things you've already seen before. Done. Spec like, I do not like the Avatar film. I don't. I, like, it was a spectacle, but it was it was very much of its time. I don't think people are clamoring for sequels. No. And... It, the movie... Like, The Matrix has aged... Pretty well. Very pretty well. well. It's aged pretty well. Mm -hmm. Avatar, I don't believe, has aged well. No. And Avatar um, came out all of, you know... There's like a... Yeah, it's, couple ten, years it's like ten years younger. Yeah. Um, but the other thing for me is like... Matrix came out and everyone was like, dude, you, you have to go see The Matrix. Mm -hmm. It came out on video and people were still like, you need to go see The yeah. Matrix. And then... Yeah. Avatar came out and everyone was like, you need to see it. But if you don't see it in IMAX 3D, you're not getting the full experience. Yeah. And then it came out on video and people went, well, watch it if you want to, but you're not going to see it in IMAX 3D. So yeah. you're, you're really... You might not enjoy it. I would... I would and, be... and the thing for me was, what I always told people when they were like, you have to see it in IMAX 3D, my response was always, that's like telling me, dude, you gotta hook up with that chick, but you gotta be drunk, <laughs> or else you're gonna hate yourself for yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's... Avatar was the two-drink minimum at a comedy club. Yep. It, it, it was... Well, I, the IMAX 3D was. Yeah, exactly. I saw it in a, you know, I, definitely 3D, and I... Probably IMAX. But there, there wasn't a reason to watch that film otherwise. And mm -hmm. that is why when people argue about its you know, box office, I mean, people saw that film in a premium format. And if yeah. they didn't, there wasn't a reason to. And yeah. that's why it's the highest grossing film of all time. Um, yeah. For now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a couple weeks. Yes. Just a couple more weeks. Yeah, um, seriously. And I... <sighs> There is nothing in Avatar that has, like, the snap in Infinity War became part of a cultural dialect. Like, yes. L like, it is part of the dialogue. If yep. I say the snap, people know what I'm talking about. Yep. It, it, like, things from... If you say bullet time. If you say yeah. bullet time, people still, to this day, this day, you say bullet time, people will still go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's such a good movie. Like there is there is nothing other than having sex with your tail that like entered the cultural and I'm talking about Avatar. No, I Tom is giving me a Oh no 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 no. I was no because I was about to say, like there's the the sex with your tail that you also use to communicate with the animals, which means on Pandora we all about the bestiality. 
We all about the bestiality here. <laughs> don't we give it to the tree too? I don't know, man. I watched that <sighs> movie, fucking, movie fucking once, and so, I never need to see it again. I watched that movie one time. Part of me's tempted for it to be one of our movies yeah. at some point down the road. Oh, I'm sure. It will be. Um, I watched the movie, and I purposely watched the movie on my laptop. And everyone kept asking me why, and I told them, I was like, if I can't watch this on my laptop mm-hmm. and still enjoy it, yeah. then all of that gloss of like the 3D, with the 3D and the IMAX gone, if I strip all that away and I still like this movie, then sure, I will think it's a good movie. Yeah. You know what I did instead? I sat there for most of the movie either rolling my eyes or smothering my face <laughs> while laughing at how bad the film was. Or screaming. Ugh. No, I didn't actually scream at any point. Um, no, the movie that I was screaming at the most, and I had to do it muffled because I was watching it in the theater at the request of a friend who mm-hmm. basically just wanted to see me yeah. go ballistic, yeah. was Gravity. Mm. Yeah. Fuck that movie. <laughs> Fuck that lazy, <laughs> lazy, <coughs> cheap-ass movie from somebody who knows better. I yeah. have way too many opinions on certain movies. To no, get. I I, uh, I think I saw that. That was that was right when uh, the theater opened. So it I, fucking won cinema best cinematography for uh-huh. pointing a camera at a green screen. Yep. Fucking Christ, God! I still can't talk about that fucking movie. What are we talking but, but about? But George Clooney gives uh, gives Sandra Bullock hope. <sighs> the best thing over. that came out of that movie. <laughs> the best thing that came out of that movie. Was the joke that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler made at the Golden Globes? What was that? Uh, the Gravity, where George Clooney, the movie where George Clooney would rather drift off into space and die than spend another wom- moment with a woman his own age. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, their delivery is ten times better than mine. Yeah, uh, but look at the Golden Globe opening speech from that year. That's um, great. The whole and the reactions from everyone, including Sandra Bullock, are just <laughs> ah, magical. But yeah, no, I think I think it's hard to because yeah, the Matrix influenced pop culture. Yeah, the Avatar pulled from Avatar pop basically just pulled from pop yeah. culture. I mean, it was constantly like, oh, look at all these floating. Bodies, wow, which anime is this from again? Um, you know, it was, there was just a perpetual state of, yeah. I've seen this. Yeah. To the point where literally he got lazy and was like, uh, Pandora is the name of the planet. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of this hard to obtain, st- unobtainium? Um, literally, like, you can tell the order that he wrote certain things in that yeah. movie because it it becomes very clear in certain parts where he just gave up. No, he gave up after he made some, like, being completely honest, awesome fucking character design. Like, he gave up after he made some really cool looking dragons. Like, mm-hmm. that that was it. And then he was like, I should maybe, maybe make a plot around this. Is anyone making Pocahontas 2? Oh, we made Pocahontas too, and we whitewashed Pocahontas. But it was it was direct to video though, so not a lot of people saw it. Uh, no, I think we just found ourselves. I think I think we literally found ourselves with him going, "Okay, what's the next step after ignoring my wife 
my wife's request and drawing my female lead naked. Mm-hmm. Making a movie where all the women are just CGI boobs. <laughs> I don't think he has a wife to divorce him right now, so he didn't even have... To, and maybe that's why it's less interesting. He didn't have the thrill of ignoring his wife. <laughs> well, I think I think the answer there is pretty definitive. Um, Matrix did more for, for that. I would really be interested in... DVD sales of The Matrix versus DVD sales of Avatar. That would be interesting there would be to see. A, there would be a pretty big discrepancy, I would Well, I would and imagine. I mean, you would have to... That one would, that would be a little tricky, because you would have to figure out some way to make it cut off. Yeah. To, like, cut off anything before Avatar came out. Yeah. So that way you could see, like, okay, these are the continuing... Like, so you could see things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because um, that would play a pretty important, you know, obviously you don't want to go all the way back to VHS sales of <laughs> The Matrix and inclu- include those, because then you're getting a little unfair. Yeah. Um, That's why I want to see Avatar on VHS. <laughs> I want to see it on VHS formatted <laughs> to fit this TV. <laughs> uh, the uh, This is just a couple pieces of movie news that we wanted to go over. Um Robert Pattinson being a potential uh, Batman. Oh, that's right. They're making Batman Returns again. <laughs> I, I We're going to have a bunch of villains in it. Which ones? A bunch. <laughs> Which ones? Penguin and Catwoman. <laughs> oh, so Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah. No, there's going to be a bunch. But which ones? I, Penguin and Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, I I have no I have zero opinions on this. He could be a very good Batman. He, he legitimately could be a very good Batman. Yeah. Um. He's got an uphill climb, mm-hmm. like basically everyone who's played Batman. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, like, I can't. Even, it was over fifty thousand people protested Michael Keaton as Batman. Yeah. And that was before the internet. You yeah. had to really put some effort <laughs> into complaining back then. Yeah. And they still did it. And Michael Keaton is still. The best Batman. Yeah, he's still he's he's still the best. Yeah. Um. I don't. I you know. I don't really care if Bob Kane preferred Val Kilmer. You know, he <laughs> fucked over Bill Finger. So the fuck does it matter what he thinks? Yeah. Um. I. Uh, I think it's funny. Everyone who's posting the um, Batman Begins or not. Sorry, not Batman Begins. The Batman Beyond. Uh, fan. Oh casting yeah, of Michael, Michael Keaton, Keaton is old Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne. And uh, well, the people, is Terry, people for awesome. <laughs> people for a long time have been pretty much since Birdman, if not even a little bit before then, have been saying, "Let's just have Michael Keaton play old Bruce Wayne and Batman yeah. Beyond." Here's the problem, though: people have su- people have nostalgia goggles with mm. Batman Beyond. Yeah, it's highly overrated. It is highly overrated. It's highly overrated, but. It's literally the entire show is old Bruce Wayne sitting at a computer with a button going, don't do that. Don't do, I wouldn't do that. Don't, don't, you did, why did you do that? I told you not to. If there's one person I want to see Okay, you got lucky this time, kid. (laughs) If there's one person I want to see do that, it's Michael Keaton. (laughs) 
yelling at a what he assumes is a snot-nosed fucking Robert Pattinson. I feel like he would get halfway awesome. through screaming at a computer screen that has a green screen taped onto it so they can digitally impose whatever they need to later. I feel like he'd get halfway through doing that and he'd eventually turn to the director and go... You guys are as fucking dumb as they come for paying me millions of dollars to yeah, yell exactly. on the screen. It would literally be like two days work tops for Michael Keaton. A nice fucking $20 million payday. And like, we all win. We all win. Um, I legitimately at this point want to see, because of course there would be the whole conflict with the MCU, mm-hmm. um, but I would love to see it, this, I'd love to see the MCU just publicly announce. So we're we're lifting our whole MCU actors can't be in DC films, because let's face it, you're only going to be in one before they swap it all up yeah. anyway, so who cares? <laughs> I, he could be good, if he's good, awesome, if he sucks, whatever, it's DC at this point, Either they they need such a massive overhaul yeah. that there's no reason to get excited for anything from them. Yeah. Um, and I I don't think people should necessarily poo poo it before we see anything. We don't even know if it's going to be Robert Pattinson or Nicholas Holt or someone else entirely. And I think people are. I'm more concerned about who they're going to get to play the Penguin because unfortunately, the perfect person to play. Penguin passed away. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm, yeah. Like, he would have been a phenomenal Penguin. Unfortunately, he's passed away. And I really don't know who you would get to play Penguin now. Yeah. I will, if you want to typecast, you could do Vincent D'Onofrio. But, Possibly. no, you, but I think because of the popularity of Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. and those games... They're going to want Penguin to have the thick Cockney yeah. accent. Yeah. I think they're going to go for that. And, um, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do about Catwoman because they've already cast Margot Robbie as <laughs> it's just an object, <laughs> not a human, for Harley Quinn. So what are they going to do this time? Yeah. Um, I think people are, you know, this, uh, nervous or worried or whatever because he was the kid from Twilight but realistically that was years ago now he's 33 he I think could... I think people are nervous be, and and cautious because DC fans have been in an abusive relationship with the film and with Warner Brothers and DC yeah. films yeah since Batman begins yeah no they really have well no since Batman forever it's been an abusive relationship for over twenty years, mm-hmm. and they're just and they're just asking us to trust them again. I don't think so. <laughs> well, we'll pass judgment when we see a trailer. I'm sure. DC is Ike Turner. <laughs> I had to go one too far. I had to. I had to go one too far. So, uh, what other? Um, we have the uh, um, speaking speaking in that same vein. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to say, you know, they just made a bunch of announcements for cast, title, plot, pseudo-plot, and uh, release date for the next Chris Nolan film, and who fucking cares. <laughs> um, my friends are going to get a good laugh, because they know I can't stand Chris Nolan. He's yeah. never made a good film. <laughs> he's really... He is a, he is a fantastic cinematographer. Yeah. He, he's really good at pointing the camera and taking a really pretty picture. <laughs> But he's never written a compelling character. Mm-hmm. He's never written 
a unique storyline. Yeah. His his stories are all like Inception is literally it is that it is that kid in college who wouldn't stop explaining Fight Club to people who had already seen Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. And if they and he was making the movie way more complicated than it had to be and explaining yeah. it. That's Inception. <laughs> That's all Inception is. But yeah, he's got some new... And it's supposed to be, like, big action epic spy thriller, which, you know, those have sold great lately. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you on your opinions of uh, of Chris Nolan. Um, Chris Nolan, to me, makes, like you said, very pretty movies that I will sit through once and more than likely never watch again. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen Dunkirk, but I... My favorite part of Dunkirk... <sighs> was trying to figure out which one of the brunettes with identical facial features I was looking at that time. <laughs> I legitimately, I don't know if I followed one character or 17. <laughs> and that includes when four or five of them were on screen together yeah. at the same time. <laughs> I mean, after Interstellar, I just... Uh, until he shows me something that I actually want to sit down and see I'm not going to I'm not going to give it the time of day. My favorite thing about Interstellar is the fact that they had to raise the audio level to drown out the dialogues <laughs> that way you wouldn't notice how bad the movie was. <laughs> we were when I screened the the movie in the theater. I was like you made is a, this you made a per- note about is the this audio issue. <sighs> I the movie theater I was working at at the time we had to put up a sign Mm-hmm. Explaining it, and we still had people that the that movie had a a really high walkout percentage. Yeah, because people would finally just be like, "My ears hurt." Yeah, I can't understand the dialogue. I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care how hard he worked on mm-hmm. filming a you know a single light going through a black drape to make it seem like he was doing all practical effects. <laughs> It's not worth it's not worth the headache. Yeah, and then Dunkirk. The thing that pisses me off the most with Dunkirk is he literally had people who were there mm-hmm. told him that the most nerve wracking part that you know the thing that was the most nerve wracking the thing that was the most intense about that experience was the silence. Yeah, because it'd be silent and then all of a sudden you'd hear the plane and it would be too late. Yeah. Did not listen to them at all. Mm. Like did not listen to them at all. If he had made that movie without a score. Yeah. It would have been, even I would have been on the edge of my seat (laughs) because of waiting to hear something happen. Yeah. But no, the planes, you can hear them like, you, you can hear them so, so far away. Their score is playing, and it's another one of Hans Zimmer's, like, I'm going to fall asleep with my hand in this position, <laughs> and when I wake up, that's that's track one. Now, like, Hans Zimmer has gone from, like, phenomenal f- film score composer to yeah. Chris Nolan. I've literally convinced Nolan, Chris Nolan that I'm brilliant. They... <laughs> When my friend, my friend keeps being like, dude, the Dark Knight score is brilliant. He only uses the notes D and C. That's just like, 
He has more notes. He, <laughs> he should use the them. He has every single note. He can use all the notes he wants. <laughs> and he's using two. <laughs> Is Chris Nolan that gullible? <laughs> To go, oh, that's niche. That's like a little kitschy niche thing. That's funny. I like it. Let's do it. The uh, the other piece of news that's real brief. Um, speaking of the Matrix and things that have a uh, satisfying, not disappointing um, conclusion. <laughs> we had the conclusion of Game of Thrones this week, and. Uh, I just want to laugh. I just want to tell you that I'm sorry your dinosaur your your dragon show ended poorly. Oh, I'm not sorry at you all. Know. You did it to yourselves, <laughs> you dumb bastards. Now you know how we felt whenever we watched the ending of uh Dexter. The again, <laughs> here's the thing. All these shows that have really shitty endings, yeah. It's always like if you are still somebody pretending that Walking Dead is good. <laughs> You're going to hate the series finale whenever it happens. Yeah. That's just a fact. Yeah. Because when you, as an audience, react primarily or entirely mm-hmm. to big, you know, to basically spectacle moments. Yeah. And not, you know, character beats and stuff of that nature. Yeah. You're telling them what to focus on. You as an audience. Wait, wait, wait. We're not talking about Star Wars, uh, The Rise of Skywalker yet. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> um, but <laughs> you're so proud of yourself. We'll get on that there. One. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, that'll be. Yeah, I read what happens, and haha, you stupid fuckers. This is what you got. Every but no with Game of Thrones, it's. You got what you deserved. Yeah. You got a rushed, badly shot, mm-hmm. modern day drinking cups, skew- like <laughs> literally. So like, I have friends that watched the finale that were like, I wasn't even looking, and I found the water bottle that was in that episode, yeah. and and but you. You got what you asked for. You've been asking for all of these years for spectacle over character and substance, and you got it. Mm -hmm. You got it. You're welcome. It doesn't matter if you don't want it. Basically, you guys spent years complaining about how cold your feet were, and then you got pissed off at Christmas when you got socks. (laughs) That's what (laughs) happened. That would arguably be the best thing ever said on this podcast. (laughs) That's a wrap, guys. uh, No more episodes. We just said the best thing that will ever be said. (laughs) Oh, I really hope that I didn't just peek right there. I'm going to be sad. (laughs) No, I, um, I never really watched Game of Thrones. I refuse to get invested in it because I'm a contrarian and would rather watch Archer for, you know, the hundredth time than well, it's, it's try not, anything new. It's not even but. just that. It's, it's, you know, it's on HBO. Yeah. And so with the HBO shows, you're either getting something that's really good, mm-hmm. like Barry. Yeah. Or you're getting something that's all about the nudity and the violence, like Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And occasionally in that Venn diagram, you get something right in the middle and you get Oz. 
Um, you know, but um, yeah, it's. I read the books, uh, the ones that are out at least, the like five books that are out. Yeah. Five books, thousands and thousands of pages, and I read one and a half good books. <laughs> the rest of it was utter shit. Yeah. And so I and I was just like, I don't really care. George R. R. Martin promises he'll finish the last book by 2020. What he I promises? Oh, it's like we have two more. There, not we. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> there are two more books. Yeah. Well, there was like, I think I heard a hundred and ten percent bump in the sales for at least the last book that was released, if not all of them. Yeah. Well, the, the last with book the got end, released with during the, with the end of the series. Gotcha. Um. And I think that's going to motivate him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm I'm sorry. I'm one of those people that fully believes that he's sitting there going, if I'm making money, why do I need to worry? I don't think he's already written the books. Mm-hmm. I don't think he knows what's going to happen. I think he's going to take what they did on the show and go, I'll make some slight adjustments and say, I always thought this was, I, yeah. this was always my plan. Yeah. I think he's making it up as he goes along. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had literally two books of people going, Hey, uh, Mother of Dragons, Khaleesi Lady, um, you have three dragons. Want to go take your kingdom back? Not yet. I'm busy. Two fucking books. She doesn't do jack shit. By the time I was done with all five of those books, my legitimate thought about her was, fuck her, she doesn't deserve it. <laughs> fuck her, if she doesn't, she doesn't want it, just let her stay in the desert with all those people that she's burning alive while saying she's helping them. Mm-hmm. Like, just leave her with them, <laughs> fuck her. I also just read the books and I was like, there's like three characters that I like in those, yeah. in those books. Like three, ca- and I'm guessing it's probably less, but <laughs> three characters I like. I'm not watching a TV show that's a massive ensemble when I only like three characters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with all that being said, um, I think that's our thoughts for this week on The Matrix and all things in movies. Uh, if you'd like to uh, follow us on Twitter, we'll be at at Movies Work. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Movies After Work. Find us on all your podcast services, Spotify, Apple. Um, if you want to email us directly, that's moviesafterwork at gmail.com. Um, suggest to us any movies that you have. Talk to us about trailers. Talk to us about The Matrix. Talk to us about Avatar. Um, but make sure you Talk to f- us. Don't yell at us. Make sure I get enough people yelling at me. Don't yell at me about Avatar. Don't yell at me about Chris Nolan. <laughs> If I want, if I wanted to hear more people yelling at me about it, I'd still live in Los Angeles, or I'd have more friends, which n- neither one of those seems likely. So, yeah, no, you make sure if you're going to email us, your thoughts uh, align pretty pretty closely with ours. Otherwise, you're just going to get chewed out. So, <laughs> no, we'll 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 read your defense and go. That's cute. That's <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, we um. Absolutely, we've got a couple. We've got a couple of ideas for f- some future episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to trailers because I forgot to mention it. I purposely did not watch the Downton Abbey movie trailer 
because I still think we should go into it. One hundred percent fucking blind. About that. I'm right. never gonna forget about that. Um, I still want to go into that movie. One hundred percent. I want to go into that movie opening night with a bunch of fans sitting around me, sitting there going, "Why is Professor McGonagall so pissed?" I'm on board. All right, I, guys. I want to see. I want to see if anyone's gonna bludgeon me to death with their uh, riding gloves. <laughs> I don't even know if that's right, because I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. Well, for Movies After Work, I've been Alex Duez. I'm still Thomas Grant. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.